And then I have a lot of scriptures after that. If we could just stand, it's a very short verse. You'll be sitting in no time. John chapter 14, verse 15. If ye love me, keep my commandments. If ye love me, keep my commandments. You may be seated. My brother, Daniel, he's the older brother, so he, he gets certain liberties and certain uh, things that he can get away from uh, when, he, when he does to me. And when we were younger, he was going to a Pentecostal church, and he was taking Bible studies from one of the elder gentlemen there, and he would come home every single night and he would tell me whatever he learned, whether it was good or bad for me, he got to tell me whatever he learned. He was trying to teach me how to become a Christian. And if you've heard me talk about my brother Daniel before, you know exactly where the story is going because he was a cruel individual and he used the word of God to absolutely torture me. Because I wasn't living right. I didn't live a good life. I was a bad uh, person when I was younger. I used to love getting into fights. I used to love swearing at other people, fighting with teachers, and just causing as much trouble for my parents as humanly possible. And so my brother, through teaching me how to be a Christian, ended up stumbling upon Revelation. And he started asking questions about the book of Revelations and the end times and uh, all of these different beasts and things that would come about upon the earth to destroy those that remain. And so he would tell me about these things and just as we're about to go to sleep, he would say, Brandon, I just want you to know that Jesus is coming back and he's going to take me away and you're going to be left behind, and you're going to hell. And I was like, gee, thanks. I'm going to sleep great tonight. Thank you. But he, as my brother, as the older brother, he was able to say these things, and I wasn't able to retaliate because he was bigger than me, stronger than me, more capable. <laughs> and so I had to take it, and I had to dwell on those things as I was going to sleep. And it really sunk in my mind that no matter what he's saying I have to do to become a Christian, I'm going to do it. Because I purposed in my mind one night that no matter what, I'm not going to hell. There's nothing that will keep me from making heaven my home. And I have talked to a lot of upset Christians, maybe not even from the United Pentecostal faith, but from other faiths, and they say, I just wasn't willing to do what they were asking me to do. I just wasn't willing to give that part of my life up. They had too many rules. I didn't want to live the way that they were telling me to live. I don't think that the Bible is really necessary, that it's really relevant to our day and age. We're in 2016. We don't need to be doing the things that they did before they had calendars. I'm telling you right now, I don't care what you tell me I have to do according to the word of God. You can't keep me out of heaven. You can't tell me something too difficult that will make me walk away from God, that will make me stop living for God. I refuse to give up heaven as my home. Now, what he taught me really stuck with me. And I didn't just all of a sudden become 
a Christian. I didn't just walk into the church and become the person I am today. It took a long time. I had to learn that if I love the Lord, I need to keep his commandments. And I didn't know what that was at the age of 13. I didn't know what was required of me. I needed to learn, first of all, what is a Christian? And Brother Hernandez kind of stole my thunder because I've been waiting to say this, and he said it, and I was like, oh, that's okay. Some of you weren't here, so I'll say it for the first time, and you'll hear it. And it was, what is a Christian? A Christian is someone who is Christ-like. And the Bible says in uh, Acts chapter 11, I believe it's verse 26, that they were called Christians at Antioch first. And they were called Christians first in Antioch. But if you read the book of Acts, uh, more specifically chapter 11, you'll learn that they weren't uh, praising them up. Nowadays, when somebody says, wow, you're a good person, you're a Christian, or wow, I, I can see that you're a Christian, they, they compliment you with the word Christian. But when they called them Christians here, they weren't complimenting them. They weren't lifting them up. They were saying, you're like Christ. You're like Jesus. And we don't like that. We don't support that. You're like Jesus. So to them, it was an insult. To us, it's a blessing. We need to make sure that our actions and our speech portray Jesus. When people see us out in the world, if I were to be the old person that I was, and you walk down the street or you're driving down the street and you see me and Brother Kevin, I got him in a headlock, obviously, because I would win the fight, and we're just fighting. <laughs> yeah, that's a good joke, eh? <laughs> but if you've seen us fighting, you would be like, what is this guy doing? I thought that was the guy who proclaims to be a Christian. But he's not acting like Jesus. He's not acting like Jesus would in this situation. If you hear me at work or out in the foyer or as I'm heading to my car and I'm telling a dirty joke, you're going to kind of shake your head and go, wow, some Christian this guy is. He's not portraying Jesus. So we need to make sure that if we want to be able to call ourselves Christians, that we're doing our best to be Christians, that we are giving our lives to God wholly in our actions, in our speech, in our time, in everything. But why be a Christian was one of the questions I had when I was uh, 13 years old. And my brother, he, he shared everything that he learned with me. He went to church one time and he got to see the move of the Holy Ghost. He got to see what it was really like to be in a popping service when things just went wild. And he shared with me one day as we were out at the golf course, he said, have you ever heard of the Holy Ghost? I said, no, I have no idea what it is, but it sounds terrifying. And he kind of smiled. He said, it's not terrifying. It's God's spirit. And God's spirit can live inside of you. And I looked at him again, and I said, that sounds terrifying. And he said, no, it's not terrifying. It's actually a really good thing if God will be with you, if God will help you through life. And I said, okay, that, that's interesting. That's kind of cool. And I, I could see that he knew I wasn't really getting it, so he turned it up a notch. And he said, you know, last night in church, we had some people get drunk off the Holy Ghost. 
I was like, oh, you got my attention now. What are you talking about? People getting drunk in church? I didn't know it was that kind of church. And he says, well, it's not like that. He says, you get so much of God's spirit that it overwhelms you. It overcomes you. And sometimes people giggle a lot. Like, you know, he says, like when people are high, they, they get the giggles. He said, that'll happen sometimes in church because the Holy Ghost just becomes so much over them. It brings them to the next level. Sometimes they can't fully walk. We saw that at Bible quizzing at our, uh, at Summit when they came in for the after party Bible quizzing. A lot of the young people were helping each other walk because they, they were drunk in the Holy Ghost. They just had such a good time in service that God blessed them and they, they couldn't even speak English. I asked them if they wanted pizza, and they responded in tongues. So I just assumed they said yes, and I gave them pizza. <laughs> but there are so many things that can interest a person when it comes to living for God. Why, why become a Christian? For me, it was, I was very interested in the Holy Ghost. I was very interested in not going to hell. That was what really prodded me to come to service and give my life to God. Now, I don't know what it is for you. I'm not sure if you came here because you wanted to follow the plan of salvation. I don't know if you're here for a miracle. I don't know if you're here because you have depression in your life and you want to have joy of God. I don't know what your situation is. I just know why I came. But I can promise, according to the Word of God, in Psalms chapter 34 and verse 8, whatever it is, you will not be disappointed. It says, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Now, I know that I received what I came for. I know a lot of you have received what you came for and so much more. But what have we done to give back? We, we realize why we want to be a Christian and we have followed through with it. And we received blessings from God. But what have we done to give back? Have we shared that with anyone else? I know for me, I had issues in my life. And now when I see other people in the world who have these same issues, I tell them, you don't have to live like that. God freed me from that situation. God delivered me from a life of violence. He delivered me from a broken home. He restored me in my life. And you don't have to live like that. You don't have to be down. You don't have to go through life struggling every day. God can give you deliverance. I know certain people who have struggled with drugs and alcohol. And God was able to deliver them. Why would we ever walk past an individual who is hurting and who has an obvious addiction and just let them stay in their situation? God has called us and commissioned us to reach this world. If he has delivered us from a certain situation, why would we ever allow somebody else to live in that same situation that we refuse to? If I encounter somebody who has a problem with drugs, I used to work with an individual, he, he's on site, and he has an addiction. And I said, man, you don't have to live like that. God can deliver you from that. And he said, but I don't want to be delivered. That's different. We have two types of people in this world, those who are happy and content with their situation, and the second 
those who are hungry to get out, hungry for God to move in their life. It's fine if you encounter the first type of person and you tell them God can set them free and they say, I don't want to be free. Okay, next. If you don't want it, there are a lot of people out there who do want it. I remember a time when I was in a grocery store. I was a new Christian. I was excited. And I felt the Holy Ghost speak to me and say, the lady behind the cash register is hungry for me. Will you tell her about me? And Brother Hernandez down at the summit talked about this, how we can sometimes miss the mark. How we can sometimes be nervous or maybe even ashamed. And I, I missed it. I didn't tell her. But God was so clear to me that if I would share my story with her, she would respond and she would follow. I'll never forget the feeling after I took my groceries and said, have a good day. I missed the mark. I could have helped somebody who had that struggle in their life, who had that same situation that maybe I did or you did, and they were looking for the answer. They were looking for a way out. I pray that we would never miss the mark. I pray that we would strive to give to God the glory that he is due by sharing his goodness with everyone else in the world. Everyone that we encounter who has a drug addiction ought to at least know that there is an answer, that there is a way out. They don't have to live like that. Whether they want the answer or not is irrelevant. We need to share the good news, the gospel with them. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Once we have decided that we want to be a Christian and that we want to live for God, first we need faith. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says, without faith it's impossible to please him. It is our foundation and it is the one thing that we as Christians rely on every single day. <clears throat> Every single one of you in here have faith, whether you want to believe it or not, because you're sitting down. And you might say, that doesn't take any faith. It sure does, because there are a lot of things in this world that I will not sit on because I don't think they'll hold me. I have faith that this chair will hold me. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. The first thing that we need in our life, it actually pleases God. That's great. That's awesome. We're one step ahead. We must believe that he is. I talked about this recently. He is what? He is what the Bible says he is. He is the I am. He is the almighty. He is the deliverer. He is our sanctification. He is our blessing. He is whatever we need him to be. Romans chapter 10 verse 17 if we could get that on the board sis Romans chapter 10 verse 17 so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God 
I love this because it can be in different forms. It can be from where I'm standing, or it can be from where you're sitting. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. If you're testifying of your situation, that's, that's the word of God. That's in the word of God. We ought to do that. We ought to testify. We ought to give what God has given to us. Once we have our faith and we are pleasing God, we need to use that faith and put it towards the, the next step, which is believing in the Bible. We believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. He is able to do all things. We know that faith comes by hearing. And then we use that belief that faith to act on the Bible. The Bible teaches many different things, such as our doctrine, our foundational scriptures. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. There is only one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. We use that to build ourselves as Christians, to grow. Like they were saying tonight, when you come out of the womb, you don't have any knowledge. You're just a baby. You have to grow. So as new Christians, we grow. One of the next things that we get is holiness, a holy lifestyle, a holy way of living that we please God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7. <coughs> For we walk by faith, not by sight. If we were to walk by sight, we would look at the world and we would do what they do. We would dress like they dressed. We would act like they act. But we're instructed to walk by faith. And faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So we need to follow the word of God as it is our answer. I knew this lady named Jolie in New Brunswick. She and I went to all the same youth conferences. We went to all of the same camp meetings. We went to all of the same church services. And one day I saw Jolie in the mall. And she didn't look the same as when I saw her in church a couple months ago. She looked different. She had changed. And I said, what's going on? She was my friend. I was able to talk frankly with her. And she said, well, my family said that all of that stuff I was doing wasn't necessary. And so I prayed about it. And I didn't feel anything. I didn't hear anything from God. So I changed. I gave up what I was doing. And I changed. And I said, when you prayed, wh what happened? She said, I didn't hear anything. I said, no audible voice. She said, no, there was no audible voice. I said, okay, what about when you read your Bible? She says, well, it still says the same thing. It still tells me to do the same things. I said, well, there's your answer. You don't need God to have an audible voice to talk to you and tell you, yes, continue to do the same thing that I already told you to do. Why would he do that? He already gave us the answer. If I were to start questioning the oneness of God and say, well, you know what, it kind of makes sense that there's three. You know, it does have three separate ways of naming it. And I started to play that game in my mind. And then I go to God in prayer and I go, God, are you one or are you three? I can almost guarantee that there's going to be silence on the other end because he's going to be like, are you serious? I've already answered this. I've already told you. You can't be serious. Now, if you have delusions of grandeur, that's different. God will help you to have clarity. 
that is different. But if you're just questioning the base things of God that you've already learned and the preacher has already given to you, why? Why would we question? Why? The, the Bible is our answer. It's already given us the answer there. We're to walk by faith, and the faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the Word of God. 1 Samuel chapter 15, I believe. I didn't write down the exact reference, but it says, Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. Obedience is better than sacrifice. As living for God and trying to be a Christian, if you hear something that the pastor says you ought to do in order to get to heaven, but you don't believe it's necessary, obedience is better than sacrifice. If you have to give something up and you believe that is true, that's great, that's fine. You're sacrificing in your life and you're doing what is essential in order to get to heaven. But if you don't believe it, we need to have that obedience in our life, that faith that the man of God is guiding us in all paths of righteousness for his name's sake. We need to believe that God will direct us and direct the man of God. So obedience is necessary. <coughs> Now, as Christians, once we have followed these steps, we have our faith, we are believing in God, we believe in the word of God and we're obeying it, we have obedience in our life, it opens up the door to promises in our life, promises that we can take advantage of, things that God has promised to other people in the Bible that we also get to claim. Because it's not just there as a story, like they were sharing about the three Hebrew children when they went into the fire. That's just not a cute story that we get to read and go, well, that's interesting. It's there for us. So if we ever face a, a death situation where surely we're going to die if we continue on this uh, path, God put that story there so that we would know he's able to save us even from the worst situations, even from the things that look like surely we are going to die. 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 56 says, Blessed be the Lord that hath given rest unto his people Israel. According to all that he promised, there hath not failed one word of all his good promise, which he promised by the hand of Moses, his servant. Romans chapter 4, verse 21 says, And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able to also to perform. I have a slew of scriptures that all confirm the word of God and his promises are true. Now that would mean nothing to you if you don't believe in the Bible. That's why I went through these first steps of how we need to believe. We need to believe in the Bible. We need to obey the word. We need to apply it to our lives so that we can get to this point where God's promises are true and God's promises apply to us as Christians, as his children, as we walk after him. We need to have faith that he will fulfill the promises. Now, as somebody who attends this church regularly, I get to hear all of your promises because pastor will point you out and tell you that God is promising you a certain thing. God is going to perform a certain thing in your life. So I get excited because pastor gives me promises too. I'm super excited to see when that pans out. But I know that we can have the answer anytime we come into service and God says, 
Let's have testimony service. I'm excited to hear the answers to your promises. I'm excited to share the answers to my promise because the word of God tells us that he is capable, he is able to perform. And so, whatever the situation is in your life, whatever the promise is in your life, whether it's been a year, 30 years, or five days, it doesn't matter. God can perform it. We need to have faith that he can do it. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, very familiar uh, verse to us. For all the promises of God in him are yea, and in him, amen, unto the glory of God by us. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 4, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. The first part of the verse, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. What promises? The promise that he is our provider. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is our healer. The, the promise that we are more than conquerors. The promise that he is our shelter in time of storm. The promise that he will give us peace in our life and give us power to overcome the world. These are promises that we have access to, but sometimes we don't act on them. Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 7 when a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. I have had some situations in my life where people did not approve of me, did not like me, wanted me away from them in the job place, and I just kept living for God. I didn't know what I was going to do. And just one day, they came to me, and they were the nicest person. I couldn't believe it. I didn't know how I was ever going to deal with the situation. But when your ways please the Lord, he'll make peace come into your life. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 2. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. And there's one more promise that I did want to uh, touch on. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 25. And this is the promise that he hath promised us, even eternal life. Luke chapter 10 and verse 20 tells us, Notwithstanding in this, rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. I get excited that heaven is my home because years ago, I wasn't on that path. I wasn't set to have destination heaven in my life. I wasn't ready to go. I didn't know how I was going to prepare in my life as a Christian to make heaven my home. I didn't know how I was going to make that happen. But I was so thankful that my brother took the time to share the word of God with me. I'm so excited because I've got to share the word of God with other individuals who have followed the plan of God, who have followed the word of God, and now they can say that heaven is their home. 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 20, because we see this happen a lot. 
For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. I'm not going back to where I came from. There is nothing that is going to keep heaven from being my home. I have an eternal promise in my life to know that I can spend my life with God. After this world is gone away, I know that I have a promise. When situations come my way and tell me my life is coming to an end, if I get a diagnosis, yes, I would be upset, but I would remember the promise. I know that I don't have to be sad. I have an eternity waiting for me on the other side that's going to be so much better than anything in this world. <coughs> Revelation chapter 21, verse 4. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Verse 5, And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. These words are true and faithful. These words are true and faithful for you and for me. We have a promise that we can look forward to no matter how much hurt and how much pain, how much difficulties and struggles we have in this world. We can know that a better time is coming. God is able to deliver us here. No problem for him. He can do it here, but we still have to live on this earth. No matter how much God has delivered us from, we still have to work in those environments. We still have to deal with these individuals. We still have to deal with our families and our friends. And it's always going to be a struggle. But God has given us a promise that one day we won't have to worry about this anymore. Now, if you have listened to all of this and you say, that sounds nice, that sounds good, that's great for you, I have one more scripture to share. Acts chapter 26 and verse 28. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Almost. Mahatma Gandhi once said, I would have been a Christian if not for observing them. He was almost persuaded. Almost persuaded. My brother persuaded me to change my life, to make this my life, heaven as my destiny but he missed it for himself. The one who terrified me and told me about Jesus' return was only almost persuaded. I hope that we are all fully persuaded tonight. I hope that we don't miss this because of the cares of our life. I hope that we don't miss heaven because heaven is so amazing. It is what God has promised for us. He has purposed it for every single one of us here tonight under the sound of my voice. There is no reason that any one of us need to miss out on what God has given to us. The promises of God that we can be healed. The promises of God that we can be delivered. The promises of God that we can have his power in our life to live a victorious time. There is no reason that we need to miss this. Music, if you would please come back. We can all stand.
pray that we would just take a couple of moments tonight to search our hearts, allow God to talk to us, and make sure that we are ready to receive his promises. Make sure that our faith is in check. Make sure that we are being obedient to the word of God, to make sure that we are acting in obedience, to make sure that we are claiming his promises. If we would just lift our hands and begin to worship God. Lord, if you would search our hearts, if you would touch our minds, Lord Jesus, open our understanding to hear your word. Lord Jesus, if there is anything within us that you would like to change, anything in your word that you would like to speak to us, O oh God, it's not too difficult for us. We want to make heaven our home. We want to give our everything to you, Lord Jesus, no matter what stands in the way. I pray that you would touch our lives tonight, O oh God. Let the power of the Holy Ghost move in this place. Minister to us, Lord Jesus. Allow your spirit to minister to us right now. Search our hearts, O oh God. Help us to make sure we are ready to claim the promises of your word. Eternal life is in your hands, O oh God. And you have offered it to us, Lord Jesus, if we would follow your word, if we would follow your scripture. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus.